So it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that these verses are really about the kind of connection and the kind of relationship that Jesus invites us to enjoy and engage in. That when it says those kind of branches get thrown away and they wither and burn, we were saying that that's not about salvation, that's not about being cut off and lost, that's about actually, if you're not enjoying him, you're not connected to him, you're not remaining in his love and you're not abiding, you, you, you wither. It's, it's, it's a picture of the kind of life that occurs when connection to him ceases to be a priority. And on the flip side, he invites us into this life of fruitfulness. He says, I chose you, you didn't chose me, and I've appointed you, that you're going to be really, really fruitful, that you're going to be really, really fruitful, and you're going to display the glory of God, and you're going to show by the way you live and act and your priorities and the kind of things that you do, that you are one of my followers. And so fruit, and being fruitful, is really not the issue here. God wants to show us off that the world would look on and say, who's your dad? Who... Who's your father? I want to know where you come from. I want to know why you live the way you live. And sometimes we have the question, God, will I be fruitful in my life? Will I be fruitful at displaying your glory? Will I be fruitful in demonstrating that I belong to you? And actually Jesus would say, I've appointed you to be fruitful. That's actually a given. You are appointed to be wonderfully, radically fruitful. You are appointed as a believer to show off how excellent God is. That's, we were chosen into that kind of relationship. And then in these verses, it's like Jesus shows us the mechanism, the means by which that abundant fruit gets made manifest and gets realised in this phrase here, um, that we can ask, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it's like relationship, forgiveness, reconciliation, fresh start, being in the Father's house, inheritance, adoption, sonship, and abundant fruitfulness. That's all the package for the believer. And the means by which that that happens is through a connection, an intimate relationship with Jesus, where we grow in that relationship, where we can ask. And these verses say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you read some verses and you think, I'm reading that, but it can't mean that. (laughs) It can't mean anything. It it can't mean anything, so I won't think about it. He must have made a mistake there. That can't be true. So I'll I'll settle on the verse that says, apart from me, I can do nothing, because I know that. I'm pretty aware that I'm weak, 
I might start to believe that I can be fruitful, but I'm going to struggle with this verse, I can ask for anything and it will be done for me because we have circumstances and situations that can contradict that. And then our experience says, my experience is greater than what I'm reading in the Bible, so I'll dismiss that verse or I'll read it really fast so I don't have to think about it. But these whole verses are talking about that Jesus is inviting us into such a deep intimacy and connection that it mirrors the Psalms where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I I want to unpack these verses and what they can mean and and how we can navigate them really, really well. And the picture I have as we're doing this is like a tightrope walker with the pole in their hand. And on one hand, if they lean this way too far, they're going to go over the edge because of believing that God is their um, vending machine and he's the puppet and he's, we're the puppet master and he's the puppet and, and we're the, he's the butler of heaven and we can tell him to do whatever we want. And there's this idea, if I lean this way, I can become a spoiled brat believer um, throwing a tantrum because he didn't do everything I asked. But if I, if I don't, if I, if the other way I can lean is you're the master and I'm just a servant. Just give me instructions. Just tell me what to do. Um, I don't want any responsibility to have to be asking for things, but I just want to be a soldier and I just want to be given my orders and my commands. And Jesus is not inviting us into a relationship of a slave and a soldier, but neither is he inviting us into a relationship where we become spoiled brats. And it's like we read these verses, you can ask whatever we wish, and we're so scared of becoming... Spoiled brats, we would prefer to be just slaves, servants and soldiers. But that's not what the kingdom is. The kingdom is a family with a wonderful father and a wonderful big brother and a wonderful friend, Holy Spirit, and an incredible, incredible palace, as it were, that we get invited home and a, a throne of grace that we approach with boldness and somebody that we get to know and know his heart and that we delight in and he shares his heart with us and we share our heart with him. See, Jesus' goal for each and every believer is that he wants us in a really deep relationship with him. He wants us in a, so devoted to him and, and have such a strong sense of his heart and such a strong sense of what the Father's heart is in the earth that we just are connected and devoted, that we're delighting in him And that we're so aligned in our heart with the kind of fruit that he actually wants us to bear. That we're so connected, that we're praying prayers that we're going to look at next week when Paul prays for the Colossians. I continually ask that you might have wisdom, understanding and revelation. That we're getting that from the Holy Spirit. We're getting wisdom, we're getting understanding, we're getting revelation of what it means to live a life worthy, to live a life that's pleasing, to live a life that's fruitful. That we're so connected to what that means that he can turn around to us and say, do you know what, I can trust you, I can invite you to actually begin to share what's on your heart. And so it's that starting point where we come to know the Father and we say, Father, what do you love? Father, what do you find beautiful in the earth? In the Song of Solomon's kind of way, Father, what makes your heart beat faster? What do you delight in? What kind of fruit do you want to see on the earth? What glorifies you? What's pleasing to you? What 
demonstrate your worth and excellence. I want to get to know your heart, Father. I want to be so connected to you and so aware of how good you are. I want my bond to be so strong that I'm devoted to your interests in the earth. And that's that beginning part. You're the vine. I'm a branch. I want to be connected to your interests in the earth. And so these verses are not really talking necessarily about I want a Porsche. (laughs) Although, it can. And it starts at this place. What I want more than anything is I want you. See, I think that Sometimes we can be guilty that things happen and, and there's excess in it. And you know the saying, you throw out the baby with the bathwater? Mm-hmm. So we can hear excessive things in what has been dubbed prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And clearly there, there can be excess, excess when we believe that his love is only measurable, only discernible only understandable through materialistic riches. But but then we can chuck the whole thing out and say, but he's not interested in my desires and my delights and the things I love. He's only interested in me being a good servant and a good soldier. And I think this is a tightrope of, and it's what we're talking about this morning. And so he can come to us and ask us, some daughter, what, what do you love? What makes your heart beat faster? What do you find beautiful in the world? I want you to be able to ask for whatever you wish and it's yours. You notice children have no trouble communicating desire. There was a lady I heard had a testimony. She said, I never ever asked God for anything. I never asked him for anything that I love, anything I enjoy. I just wanted orders and commands. And I thought, how saddened I would be if my grandchildren came to me at Christmas. And I asked them, what would you like for Christmas? And they said, oh, blessed grandma, I am not worthy to ask for much. A toothbrush would be sufficient. She, she would feel that they didn't understand her heart and her generosity and her kindness and her desire to know what is it you love? What are you into? What is it you enjoy doing? I want to give you, as it were, whatever you ask. How many of you have found with your own children that you're suddenly into things that you have no desire about just because they ask? We found ourselves in a, a sewing machine shop in Welling, learning all about bobbins and cotton because our oldest daughter says, I'm into sewing and I'm doing well at sewing. And a teacher, a DT teacher, she's doing well in sewing. I carry a bag with my Bible and my diary and everything in it, a bag that she sewed. So I'm into sewing. 
I'm into bobbins. I'm into needles. Because actually our oldest daughter came to us and expressed a desire. So on this side then, we're we're walking on this tightrope. We're not wanting to become spoilt brats and fall off this way. Neither are we wanting to be slaves, servants, soldiers who just want orders, don't want intimacy or connection. And we're walking on this tightrope where he says to us, I want relationship. And as we ask, we're beginning to expect his goodness, his greatness, his sovereign, his wisdom to show up in all these areas. I'm coming to you with expectancy as I share my heart with you. I've got expectancy. I think a 4th century writer said that prayer is a manifestation of what God has been doing in your heart. That as you watch your Christianity mature and you get to know him, you'll find that your prayers and asking changes. That actually prayer, rather than a bequest of him, is actually a manifestation of what you've already planted in the heart. It's the seed he's already sown that's growing in the soil. And so we're asking with expectancy. Now, there's a way of asking that guards the heart from the bitterness of disappointment and frustration. People have shipwrecked their faith on the rocks of, I asked him and he didn't do it what I asked. That can come in our hearts uh, uh, a thing where we say, yeah, I remember asking him for this, and I remember asking him to do this. I remember coming to a verse like this and reading, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, because this is my father's glory, and I did ask, and he didn't do it. And then the heart can feel overwhelmed with disappointment and overwhelmed with a sense of sadness and a sense of, he let me down and I'll never ever put myself again into a position of vulnerability. Um, In a church like this where we're learning to grow in the belief that Jesus doesn't just heal, he's the healer, he's the provider, he's the deliverer. We're expecting breakthroughs. How many of you know that when you expect a lot from God, you also can have the possibility of huge levels of disappointment as well? In a church where you expect nothing, no one's ever disappointed. (laughs) If the expectation is this, we're coming along, we sing three songs, someone's going to say something, and the last one out, put the lights off and we'll pay the bill. Who knows that you're never going to get disappointed with that. Ever. You'll never walk out of here disappointed when your expectancy level is that. But when you start saying, we believe the sick can be healed, we believe people can have freedom, we believe just word, one word from Jesus can change everything, one touch of his garment, as it were, and you can be set free. When you begin to believe for a community to be impacted and changed and transformed, when you begin to believe I can be transformed, when you believe for people to be saved and added, when you believe for things and you're beginning to ask for things, there are going to be things that don't happen the way you thought and the opportunity to become offended and disappointed becomes a real thing that you have to battle with. When you raise the bar... There's possibilities for disappointment. When you're learning to fight at a new level, you're going to lose a few more fights. If you like 
football, you'll know that when teams get promoted, they often struggle in the new league for a long, long time. They might have been champions in the third division, they might have been champions in the championship, but when they get to play in the big level, where the expectations are huge, they often struggle to find their feet. They lose more games than they used to win. We used to win a lot of games when the goal was free songs of preaching, go home and put the lights off. Whoa, we're top of the league. Now we're believing for more. We're, we're, we're thinking, that didn't happen the way I thought. And that breakthrough didn't happen the way I thought. Because you're beginning to say, no, I want to play in the kingdom league and have kingdom measurements of what does success look like. So, we come to this wonderful king that we're... we're, we're we're trusting that we've got this relational bond with. We're devoted to his interest. We're devoted to his heart. We're in love with him. He's chosen us and we've chosen him back. And in this relationship, he shares his heart with us and shares what he loves. And we're sharing our heart with what we love and what we long to see for him do. And yet at the same time, we're not calling him the butler of heaven. We're believing for his goodness and his power and his sovereignty to turn up and work. But at the same time, we're not saying to him, Hey, butler, I want it this way, at this time, at this place. Do what I'm asking. We're not coming to him like a Coke vending machine saying, Look, I put my coins in. I put my prayers in. I put my turning up to church in. I I put this in. Now, let, let it drop. I've kept my end of the deal. Because that misses his heart as well. And so it's asking in this wonderful place of yielded surrender. This place of you are God and I'm not. And I'm asking and I'm coming to you and I'm sharing my heart with you. But I will not, I refuse to control the outcome of what you do, when you do it and how you do it. Because I'm delighting in you with all my heart. And I know you want to give me the desires of my heart. But only you really understand the best way to do it. And so I'm calling you, you're sovereign and you're good and you're God. Now you get to work it out as God. So it's not taking these verses and distorting them. Where we begin to tell God how things have to look and how things have to work out. It's not coming to God and praying and asking and then telling him, this is how we're going to see it happen, God. Dictating to God the plan. Have you ever turned your prayer into that? It started off as asking, fine. And then it became the strategy too. God, I'm going to help you out. Because we both know who knows more about most things in the room. And I don't think it's you. So I'm going to give you a hand. This is how I see it working out. This is how I see it being ordered. This is the best way, God, because I'm your consultant. Do you know you go to consultants when you don't know something? You know, you, you need something, so you go to a consultant. They know something that you don't know. A medical consultant has insights into that specific sickness and you go to them for a consultation. You go to that in business, in marketing, in structure and strategy. You go to a consultant who's an expert. I and you, we're not, the, we're not God's consultants on the earth. 
that Jesus says, you know what, it's been about 2,000 years since I was there. I'm sure a lot has changed. Can you give me a hint and a help of how I can do it? And that's where we mustn't be. I'm not your consultant. I'm not going to control you and tell you what the outcome has to look like. I'm going to ask you for things, and I'm going to ask for whatever I wish, but I'm going to trust the way that you do it is going to be absolutely perfect, and I will not control you, and I will not dictate to you how it has to look. I'm not going to say to you, God, this is what I can do, these are my skill sets, and these are my capacities and my abilities. This is what I can imagine it being like and how it can work out. Now do it just the way I've said. And if you don't do it the way I've said, you better be careful. Because I'm like a toddler and I'm going to fall off this tap on this tightrope and I'm going to do the biggest tantrum you've ever seen. So do it the way I want, how I want, the timing I want. So scary. Such a place where... Entitlement gets in. Such a place where King's Kid idea, I'm, the, I'm a spoiled brat, and you better jump when I say jump, and you better go as high as I say go high. Otherwise, God, you are not going to hear me talk, pray, give, or do anything again. And so, I'm avoiding entitlement. Entitlement, it's my right. I'm not going to be offended with you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to remain in your love. I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to remain attached to the vine. I'm not pulling away from you. I'm not drawing off my heart from you. I'm letting your words remain in me. Otherwise, what we're saying to him is this. I would be a better God than you. I honestly believe that there are aspects of his promises of joy and peace and contentment and hope that we miss because we we think we're a better God than him. And he's got all this that he supplies, pours out. And it's not, the blockage isn't his end. The blockage is our end, where we're frustrated, where we're offended. Where we say to God, this is the mark you have to hit. And if you miss it, you'll get my fury. And God says, I don't even remember the conversation about the mark we have to hit. Amen. We mustn't ever put God in a box. We mustn't limit him and say this is what it looks like when God turns up because we'll discover he won't be limited he just won't be limited he'll burst out of any box you put him in you'll think you're in the box with God and you look around and he's already burst out of it he will not be contained he will not be controlled he won't be dictated to and yet he invites us into this incredible connection, this incredible intimacy where the offer of asking anything you wish is genuine and yet he won't be controlled at all by tantrums on this side and he doesn't really want to respond to us being slaves, servants and soldiers 
Just give me orders, just give me orders. He wants us to be like kids, daring to trust him with our deepest desires and longings. And yet at the same time, without any presumption or frustration, that when he doesn't do it, we won't be we won't be angry we won't be offended we won't judge him honestly there are moments in my life where i asked god for things that i am so grateful today he just didn't do and at the time they felt that the most important thing and the most desirous thing in the world Times in the church we led before, where we might have presented with clear strategy things that we were believing for and asking for and desiring, good things. And yet, in a moment, he says to Rochelle and myself, Come over here, kids. It's bigger, it's better, it's greater, it's more expansive than any of that. Come over here. Oh, but we thought it was this. No, 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 that's fine. Because that's all part of the relationship. It's all part of the journey. None of that was wrong. It's good stuff. But how I wanted to work it out and do it wasn't that. It was this. Imagine a child on a beach making a sandcastle. And they've got ideas and dreams for how this can look. And, you know, when sand dries and the the turret topples or the sand comes in or a wave comes in and washes a bit of it. The the kid knows my identity is not the sandcastle I'm building. It's this time with mum and dad, auntie, uncle. It's us interacting together. It's us doing this project together. It's, it's, It's me and the father together. We're building this. My life, my identity is not in this thing being built. That has to look like this right now. There are painful things. Desires to be married. Real God dreams, desires to be married. And you're thinking, where, how God? How God? I'm asking you because it's my heart's desire. It's genuine good stuff. Desire and the will of God, you know. He wants to give people husbands and wives. He wants to give people a baby. He wants to give people he wants to give people family and connection and he wants to give people a job where they thrive and all those things that are good. And yet the only in the in the journey of how is it ever gonna happen? I'm asking you for my heart's desire. And yet I don't know how's it gonna work out. I want to navigate this well. I want to navigate this in intimacy and trust and yieldedness to you. I want to be so devoted to you. I don't want you to be in a box. I don't want to tell you how you have to do it. But I want to share my heart with you and ask. And I know you hear my heart and I can hear your heart. But I'm not ever going to tell you how you have to do it. And I'm not going to judge you. 
like he won't be limited by our imaginations. He won't be limited by our best asking. And I believe that part of the going beyond what you could ask for and what you can imagine is this connection, this intimacy, this relationship where I say, do you know what? I just want you. I have to have more of you. I want to abide. I want to stay in your love. I want to be connected. I want your words to be deep inside of me. I want to love you. I want to love your presence. I want to be with you. I'm loving these moments where you say, son, daughter, what's on your heart? What would you love? What do you desire? What makes your heart beat faster? Even his tenderness of some of the things he just makes happen. You think that's so insignificant and unimportant, yet he orders it and makes it happen in the most beautiful way. But I'm not looking for that to be a sign of your affection and your attention. Because I know that it's in this, that you so loved me, that Jesus came to make a way for me to be connected to you. And I'm not just interested in the theory of a relationship. I'm interested in the overwhelming, ruined heart connection with God where I'm burning inside because of his love and I'm burning inside because of his goodness and I'm willing to take a step backwards to get a glimpse at just how wise and how good and how wonderful you really are that you just know what you're doing God, you really really do and yet at the same time I'm going to ask you for things and I'm not going to quit and I'm going to say today's a good day for that to change Father Today's a good day for a breakthrough on that. Today's a good day for a miracle. Today's a good day for that sickness to be healed. Today's a good day, God, for for me to meet the person I'm going to marry. Today's a good day, God, for something to change, that we can have a child. Today's a good day for something to change in my job circumstances and my financial circumstances. Today's a good day, God. And yet if you don't do it today, and it doesn't happen today, I'm going to live in mystery. I'm going to refuse disappointment. I won't judge you. I won't put you in a box. I'll surrender. I'll yield. And I'll trust you. But I'll carry on asking for whatever I wish. And I think this is the the relationship that's so dynamic. That it's not king's kids, tantrum, some of the excesses that we see (coughs) in the prosperity gospel of measuring everything by what happens on this side. Nor is it the cold-hearted, I'm just a servant, I'm just a slave, I have no desires, I have no wants, I have no interest. No, you're more wonderful than that. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't make you on earth just so that you could be a robot. I'm just a Christian. I've got no ideas and no heart and no plan and no passion. No, share it. Let it out. Talk to God about it. Let him make a way. Let him bring his wisdom in. Yeah, God, we pray for the wonderful joy of walking on this funny old path, this narrow path, God, as it were. This narrow, but kind of is so wide at the same time. Like the gate is narrow, but the world we enter into is so extravagant and huge and vast. Help us to navigate it really, really well, Jesus. Help us to walk it really, really well. We choose connection. We choose to respond to you and your love. You chose us. Jesus, we choose you back. We thank you that you've uh, appointed us to be really, really productive and brilliantly fruitful and to be excellent at showing off God. We thank you that that's a given. And we pray, ignite our hearts. Come back to stand. Ignite our hearts.
with fire. Let there be an ignition of fire in our hearts in a greater measure, God, this week. Burn us with passion for Jesus. That we'll be so in love and so connected and so devoted. Not as a work, but just as a, just that's what we want. We want more of him. We want to be captivated by him. Yeah, move upon us. Let's grab what Rob was saying about growing. When we're with you, just being overwhelmed with worship and overwhelmed with, I just want to love you. Let's even right now start to pour out our hearts and just loving on God. 